0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to season two uh, premiere of the Blue Dog Whisperer. I'm Evan Grohlman. And um, on today's episode, we have a very special guest. This is uh, my first podcast episode where I've had where I have a guest. Uh, His name is John Hensel. And John is also a Blue Dog uh, from uh, your, where are you from, John? Uh, Washington
1: State, up in northwestern
0: Washington. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. So John is joining me from the other side of the country. For those of you who have previously listened to the Blue Dog Whisperer or those of you who have not, I am based in uh, South Jersey. So John is a good 3,000 miles from me, but we're, we are here together on this first uh, this special podcast episode. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, John.
1: talking about uh, topics related to Joe Biden's presidency and also uh, just opinions amongst us blue dogs on uh, what to expect on
0: future endeavors with uh Joe and his cabinet. Well, that's great. You know, this is the first episode that I am doing uh, during Joe Biden's presidency. The last episode I did was about a month ago where we discussed John McCain and his Maverick style. And I want to and, you know, Joe Biden and John McCain were very, 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 very good friends. And I kind of want to get your perspective on what you think Joe Biden's, um, presidency could be like and how it would a, 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 a appeal to us blue dogs. Uh, how long have you been a blue dog Democrat, John?
1: Um, well, it's something that's uh, gradually happened over time. I guess um, back when I was in high school or even my early adulthood, I would have been more of a traditional liberal or maybe uh, what somebody would consider themselves to be typically a left-wing establishment Democrat, but I was more on the end of being a, uh, I guess not really a progressive, but just a true uh, middle-of-the-road, maybe slightly left uh, Democrat. And over time, I realized I aligned a lot more with the middle when it came to certain um, topics. And uh, it seems like over time, the left has, you know, the Liberal left has drifted a little further left, and progressive has uh, pr- the progressive movement has picking up momentum. So, I find that uh, it, it's not really that I have drifted further right, but uh, left has drifted further left, and I just kind of uh,
0: have cemented some slightly more conservative views. Right. Well, that's very interesting because I I saw an article, maybe it was done a couple years ago, uh, right after the Democrats took back the United States House of Representatives during the Trump presidency, uh, right after they were sworn in 2019, I saw a great headline, and you might have read it too, John, I don't know if you did, it's called These Are Not Your Father's Blue Dogs, something along that line. Um, yeah. This is this was a very di- last Congress. Unfortunately, we we have since lost a lot of blue dogs in conservative areas uh, in the twenty twenty election, and I think we're going to talk about that a little bit. But this generation of blue dogs is a much more diverse group than some of the previous blue dogs. I mean, the Blue Dog Coalition was founded during the Bill Clinton years, and now we uh, we're four or five presidents later, and uh, we're still we're still thriving to some degree, I would say. Yeah, yeah, they uh, definitely made a comeback in two
1: thousand eighteen more uh, congressmen added to the Blue Dog uh, Caucus. Stephanie Murray got elected uh, during that election cycle, and she is now the chairman of the Blue, Blue Dog uh, Caucus. And a lot of the things she has brought to the table and said I've uh, strongly aligned with. I mean, she uh, mm-hmm. just goes after brass tax issues, like uh, things that support the, you know, the working class and uh, ways to be able to cut spending on the federal budget and um, taking a combination of both the good from the left and the right like you know still addressing um, social rights issues for people that um, are struggling against uh, growing diversity in this you know you know people that uh, are left behind basically you know they still right. address those people but at the same time they still uh, uphold some conservative traditional values of America and you uh, you
0: know patriotism and all that so i like the idea that stephanie murray and many other blue dogs have brought to the table well stephanie murphy has done a very a very nice job i would say um she uh was has been criticized by both the both the extremes on the far left and the far right because uh she is uh as I would, I I think many would agree, she's a maverick. She's not afraid to uh, piss off any extreme uh, that she feels is doing something wrong. I know that she was—I uh, was watching an interview on Fox News uh, that I was sent yesterday, actually, by one of my Republican friends. Um, and the Fox News host was upset that Stephanie Murphy suggested that people—because since the last episode, uh, we had an attempted coup— at the uh, the United States Capitol building, and Stephanie Murphy has actually suggested that we um, that the people who broke the laws, I believe, uh, during that uh, coup attempt, not be allowed to serve in the United States military, and that seems to make some sense to me because you know you got all this classified information, and the idea of letting people in have access to that information who. Uh, just attempted to change the direction of our nation. I mean, I, I kind of get where it's coming from, but what's even more disturbing is the fact that you had some people who actually served in the military who were at this coup. It's
1: very sad. It's very, uh, it's very un-American. Um, I mean, uh, if you believe in a free country and uh, having, you know, a trilateral government like we have Congressional you know, related to Senate and also judiciary, three branches, mm-hmm. and you believe in the, the power of voting, everything they did kind of goes against all of that. Right. They wanted to overturn a fairly held election, and they used violence and force, and I don't know how they didn't see the error in their actions, you know, unless they were just blindly led by... A president that uh probably would prefer to be called dictator right and they lost the ideals of what this country was founded on from the very beginning in my opinion
0: mm-hmm Well, you bring up an excellent point because uh, we are talking about Joe Biden's presidency and what we, what us blue dogs want to see. And I think that one of the things that we want to see is something that we get a lot of uh, crap from progressives about. We want to return to normal. But when you and I say normal, we're not talking about going back to the Obama years or going back to the way things were, because let's be honest, progressives are right when they say that normal – uh, in terms of how the Obama years worked out, didn't work out for a lot of people. I think Obama did a very good job as president. I think he was a decent president. But still, some people were left behind, not saying it's entirely his fault. But when we when we say we want to go back to normal, what does that mean to you as a blue dog? Because it doesn't mean what progressives say that we, we, we think it means. Um, well,
1: normal is an uh, ever-changing uh, ideal or mm-hmm. uh, subject. nothing's gonna stay exactly the same. You know, things today aren't the same as they were in the nineteen fifties and it's just not gonna be that way. So there's certain things and change that we can embrace and and accept. But then again, there's some people that want to move the goalpost of what changes so far to meet a totally different narrative or form of government. And we gotta watch out for people that take
2: extremist ideologies at the same time mm-hmm. uh, i
1: mean you can see everything that's transpired transpired this last summer and realize that uh you know extremism has uh, run rampant it, but it's not just on the far right some of it's on the far left but there is definitely extremism on the far right i think uh you know we need to be able to uh you know and imp- Embrace some things that are traditional, like uh, just the way that our government has ran that's based on the Constitution, upholding those constitutional rights and keeping government operating the same with the trilateral powers that are in government is important. So when it comes to that, I'm very traditional when it comes to our rights and the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. But there's certain things that we can't ignore that's changing, um, just like the... You know, climate and the climate change uh, issue that's happening in this country. Uh, I think it's really important that Joe Biden's addressing that and that we're getting back into the Paris Climate Accords because uh, we have to face the facts. You know, the world, according to scientists, has already warmed uh, two degrees Celsius since the early 20th century. Mm -hmm. And ice ice sheets have receded. So we need to look at uh, what we need to do to adapt and change to ensure that species of different animals are world survive. Also, um, we can't ignore that, uh, there were certain people, certain workers in this country that didn't have the same rights as others. And that there are, um, certain ethnic groups and, you know, people of different color that have been oppressed in this country. So some things have to be addressed on changing to include more equality, you know, um, but at the same time, I don't believe in favoritism right. when it comes to certain races, or I don't even really believe in affirmative action. I think affirmative action kind of creates a little bit of biasness when it should really be about uh, who's the best suited for the job and why. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the, I right. think it's good to it's good to start practicing inclusion for every, everybody that's an American, in my opinion. You
0: know. I've never. So we need to I've never been against affirmative action. What I, what I, what I think that affirmative action should do is, you know, African Americans in this country do have a unique history, given the fact that they were not only um, that African that the African Americans of today, a lot of their ancestors were enslaved, but you still have some people alive today who were the victims of Jim Crow. Um, so they do have a very unique history. So I do think that there should be some affirmative action. But I also believe that affirmative action should not just be racially based but also economically based because poverty does not discriminate. There are a lot of poor white people, poor poor uh, Latinos, uh, poor uh, poor black people, and um, some poor Asians and Native Americans too. So I but think – We should just
1: admit that a lot of people have been left
0: behind by our uh, absolutely. manufacturing industry just by our corporations in general. Mm-hmm. So I I do think that because of the the, the unique history of African Americans that affirmative action should stay, but I also believe that uh, programs that are meant to uh, empower people should not just be based on race, but also other circumstances in order to be more inclusive. Yes.
1: Yes, I think that's well said. And uh, like I said, we're in changing times, and uh, for some people— You know they're really having a hard time struggling with that, and I think that's why Trump was able to grasp so much power and so much momentum politically when he ran in 2016. It's because he uh, grew on he uh, grew popularity through those sentiments that the U.S. is changing and that uh, Mm -hmm. you know the old traditional values maybe the 1950s is changing and there's less and less white people. In this country that threatens some people, but he fed on fear. He did it the wrong way. He fed on fear
0: that Americans had instead of uh, bringing us together and uniting us. Right. Well. And, uh, you know, one thing that will definitely uh, cause a, a party to lose power is if
1: you lose the moderate base. Oh, yeah. And you start uh, drifting so far one way that. Uh, You lose touch with moderates, and I think the Republicans are starting to struggle with that right now. I mean, Georgia didn't swing totally blue for no reason. I was really shocked when that happened. I didn't think uh, Georgia would be won over so easily by Biden and uh, go totally blue in the Senate. So it's showing you that uh, moderates don't necessarily agree with what Trump
0: brought to the table. Right. And also, what's interesting about that, and you bring up an excellent point, John, and that's why I'm so glad that— that, that I have you on because uh, I've known you for quite some time and, you, and you're and you a very uh, insightful person and you think of a lot of things that I didn't necessarily think of. So um, I appreciate your insight. Uh, what I, you know, people don't understand that the GOP, there there is a, a misconception that the GOP is growing. And the question is how long will it continue to grow for? Because as you said, not only have they alienated moderates, but you also have demographic changes, and I will be fair to Trump, Trump did improve among African American, among the African-American community in 2020 as opposed to 2016. In fact, if you go to the Wikipedia page for my home state of New Jersey and you take a look at, uh, they actually have a, a map that shows the towns in New Jersey and how they voted in this election, but they also show uh, how if it swayed more towards Trump or towards Biden since 2016. So, in instance, in in a town like Glassboro, New Jersey, where I live, uh, the town voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016, voted for Joe Biden in 2020. Joe Biden did better, but Joe Biden got more, as opposed to four years ago, Joe Biden did better in Glassboro than Hillary Clinton did. But if you go to towns like uh, Camden and Newark and Penn's Grove, um, that are highly minority-based, whether it's uh, Hispanic or uh, or uh, African-American. Trump improved from four years ago. So, <laughs> well, it, it's shocking for some people, for yeah. others not so much, because a lot of people seem to give cr- Trump credit for um, the criminal justice reform bill, which I happen to support, uh, and uh, they will say that Donald Trump helped African-American unemployment. And, uh, you know, whether we we give Trump credit for that or not, it does have to that issue does have to be raised because the results showed that minorities were actually more drawn to Trump this time than four years ago. They they certainly Trump didn't get a majority of the African-American vote or the Latino vote, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, but he did better. And Joe Biden actually did better with whites this time than in 2016. That said, Georgia, which a lot of the Democratic electorate there is African-American, yeah. put Biden over the edge. So it's interesting how they put Biden over the edge in Georgia, yet up here in New Jersey, uh, Trump did better with minorities than he did four years ago.
1: Yeah, the demographics are changing. Even when you look at Ohio, Ohio is an interesting state. I'm you know, old enough to remember when Ohio was really a swing state. But probably more than half the time, Ohio swung blue. Mm-hmm. I think it's an evolution of uh, getting away people away from uh, good-paying jobs and be educating them and uh, keeping them in the dark. I mean, they've kind of uh, got Ohio to be on kind of the education level of well uh, Alabama nowadays. But it's not really Ohio's fault. You know, the corporations. You know, back in the early '90s and stuff started moving jobs away from ohio and bringing them over to china and uh there you saw the manufacturing base go away when there's less people making middle you know, class money and less people uh, doing well financially there's also less people going to school and getting educated on a lot of topics and people are more more easily able to believe whatever they're told through uh specific social media outlets or even uh, certain uh, private uh political channels you know instead of actually doing the research and i think ohio is one of those uh one of those demographics that's uh quickly becoming more conservative than they used to be mm-hmm. so it's interesting the, the old uh, swing states that used to exist some of them have moved further right and other areas that used to be further right because of uh, demographic changes and uh, maybe just a difference and um, what's the word i'm looking for um um, livelihoods you know different demographics and where the jobs move all that makes a difference sometimes on uh, how political outlets out, you know political views change mm-hmm. and you know immigration all that makes a difference in how uh, areas change
0: when it comes to voting yeah you're, you're really you're really right on that one uh when it comes to ohio i i've been to ohio a few times and i know i, I think you have too right
1: Yeah, my uh, mom's side of the family is from Elyria, Ohio, northeastern Ohio, Uh kind of close to Cleveland, but yeah, I've been there a handful of times. It's still a beautiful state. I still
0: uh, have love for Ohio. Yeah, I I, I do too. Ohio is a lot like New Jersey, but it's a little different because, um, you know, Ohio feels like New Jersey in terms, if you blindfolded me, took me to Ohio and told me that I was in New Jersey, I would probably believe you. Um, But the thing about it is that Ohio's political uh, climate is a lot different from New Jersey. But what I will say is that New Jersey used to be a very Republican state. Um, I mean, actually, New Jersey from 1968 till 1988, so for 20 years, it went for the Republican nominee every time. New Jersey didn't even vote for Jimmy Carter either time, which is kind of interesting, even though Jimmy Carter did win a, a Number of counties here in, in New Jersey. Um, but now New Jersey is a safely democratic state. Uh, we don't really matter in the presidential elections anymore. There was a time where people thought we would matter a little more, especially after 9 11 with President Bush. There was a question of whether uh, Bush could win New Jersey because of our close proximity to the Twin Towers, but that did not happen. But Ohio. I was, uh, Ohio. I was say, oh, go ahead.
1: I was gonna say I was impressed that uh, Pennsylvania didn't really uh, make a difference in the outcome in th- of this election, and neither did Ohio. That mm-hmm. was a shock. Usually, it comes down to Pennsylvania and Ohio, but because we had so many changes on uh, certain states like uh, Wisconsin, last time was red; it swung blue this time. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Pennsylvania did
0: end up sw- swinging. Blue. It looked like it was gonna swing red. Yeah, it did swing. Well, Pennsylvania but, is uh, Pennsylvania is actually the state that did put Biden over the edge. But even if Biden lost Pennsylvania, but won all the other states that he won, he still would be He still would would be in the Oval Office. Well,
1: there was just some changes like you know uh, Arizona for instance turning blue, mm-hmm. Georgia turning blue. That you never would
0: have guessed that would happen in a million years, but it happens. Nevada turned blue. Right. Well, so, I, yeah, I I'm China. not I'm not too surprised about Arizona only because, um. You know, it has been a traditionally Republican state. You know, a lot of military families out there, if I'm not mistaken, it's John McCain, Mark Kelly, Martha McSally, all served in the United States military, you know, a lot of patriotic Americans out there. Not saying that patriotism is exclusively a Republican thing, but traditionally, the military has been very Republican, um, except except during World War II when, uh, you know, a lot of Democrats served during World War II. Um, But you do have... uh, in the midterm election, Kirsten Cinema uh, beat Martha McSally, and that's how I knew that Arizona actually stood a chance of going for Joe Biden this time around. Yeah, wow, that's a good point. Not just that, but uh, Trump drew some of the moderate Republicans
1: away too. Like mm-hmm. badmouth McCain. You know, even after John McCain died, he was still about bad, bad, badmouthing and then The guy was a really honorable guy. There's n- nothing no reason to say anything horrible about him, especially after the guy was, had already passed away. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Trump and his base have villainized moderate uh, Republicans as well. Mm-hmm. Some of those votes might have drifted further to the left because of that.
0: Right. And uh, Arizona Republicans are very interesting. I mean, I've seen interviews. I'm not going to generalize anything, but I've seen interviews with Arizona Republicans, and they're not exactly, not all of them, but a lot of them are not Trumpies whatsoever. They they are McCain Republicans. They are people who will cross the aisle. I think Arizona has a long history of being a maverick state because even Barry Goldwater had his moments, actually, if I'm not mistaken, uh, even though he was a very, very, very far right uh, at the time. Uh, that he ran for president and he barely got any electoral votes. He still, um, you know, he still did. Uh, I think he showed some cur- courage during uh, the Nixon, uh, the Nixon scandal, if I'm not mistaken. But I think that you are absolutely right about Arizona and um, and and McCain and, and actually the Arizona GOP just um, just censured. Cindy McCain, the, the the widow of John McCain, and uh, they censure Jeff Flake, the yes, former yes. senator, and even their sitting two-term governor, Doug Ducey. I think uh, vicious attacks
1: like this on their own base is just uh, it's dividing them, and it's uh, you don't want to be a divided party when you're going into the next election, you know, or even this election. We saw the outcome. So.
0: Well, it works for us, Democrats.
1: Have to make up their mind. What do they stand for? What are their ideals? Because uh,
0: have you ever heard of have you ever heard of the
1: you know leadership cannot stand?
0: Have you ever heard of a governor being a sitting governor being censured by their own party? It's crazy, and the, and and I and I think it's because I don't know if you saw this on the news, but apparently Doug Ducey was tallying the votes or certifying the votes, and Donald Trump called him. And what's interesting is that Doug Ducey said that he had assigned, uh, I think, hail to the chief as his Donald Trump ringtone, and that is and only Donald Trump, just so he knew the president would be calling. And that exact ringtone uh, ra- uh, occurred or rang just as he was certifying the results, and he silenced his phone and put it away. And if that's the reason why the Arizona GOP is censoring Doug Ducey, I think that's sad because he. I think, I think Doug Ducey played by the rules and that's it. And if I'm not mistaken, Ducey might have even endorsed Trump. Yeah,
1: yeah. <clears throat> Pretty much, uh, you know, Trump has thrown a lot of his own allies underneath the bus. And even the Proud Boys, it's funny, even the Proud Boys, which are kind of a radical extremist group, after a lot of them went to jail or at least they were, you know, put on blast by the media and uh, they were they were saying after this was all said and done and Trump leaves office, they said, Tr- Trump left us behind, like, you know, he didn't protect us or give us, you know, and it's like, what did you expect, you know, <laughs> he fired most of the people that were in the White House during the time in office and replaced them, like, pretty much most of them at least once over, mm-hmm. and uh, how did you think he wasn't going to throw you under the bus, you know? <laughs>
0: He probably would have fired Mike Pence if he could have. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be
1: surprised. Yeah, Mike Pence uh, was the voice of reason and wouldn't let Donald Trump just run, you know, just run wild with his, uh, you know, unstable takes. (laughs) But uh, I think we were originally we were talking about uh, what to
0: from the Biden presidency, well, yes, and 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 part of that is the fact that we have listed so many problems. You know, it's you know, it's not the job of the president to fix the Republican Party or fix the Democratic Party. But at the same time, I think you and I would both agree that the, one of the reasons we're in this mess is because people have given given into extremism on both sides. So we do have to unify the country. And how do you think Joe Biden will be able to do that? As two people who voted for him and supported him.
1: Well, I think Joe Biden wants to bring unity back to this country mm-hmm. and just get this country back to work fight the coronavirus give us affordable easy to assess health care all these things can bring the country together because um, really Americans are angry they're angry for a lot of different reasons not all the same reasons but uh, America, Americans have been kind of <clears throat> left behind and abused by the industry you know we've been over overcharged for health care And uh, some people even just denied, uh, you know, assistance in the hospital when they're on death's door. Mm. We've had a shrinking middle class within the last couple of decades, and uh, less and less jobs that are benefited, less and less jobs that are unionized. We've we've kind of uh, haven't done the American working class justice, and you're seeing extremism because people are acting out in that. Mm-hmm. About that, and they're acting out about it in different ways. the far left has you know resulted towards uh moving closer to communism or at least uh becoming like you know into strict socialism, and the far right has gone more towards uh authoritarian uh di- almost dictatorship type uh behavior so you're just seeing people acting out and they're going towards people that want to tell them what they want to hear to make things better. But sometimes they go for a source that isn't the best for them. Almost like how, when you're hungry and you don't know how to deal with the lack of food or, uh, you know, basically you're, you're, uh, malnourished. Sometimes you'll just go for fast food because it's there. It doesn't mean it's the best for you. Right. That's uh, how politics are. If you just go for the first thing that sounds good when you're desperate, can actually be uh, unhealthy
0: i've never i've never heard that analogy, but it's very very well said um and i and I agree and I agree wholeheartedly uh and and that 's the thing because what you just expressed is very true, but a lot of people a lot of uh progressives and tea Party people will say that not only is it the other side that caused this to happen, but it's also the faults of the Rockefeller Republicans and the Blue Dog Democrats because apparently moderates we don 't have the balls and we d- to do anything uh that really hits it out of the park and that Uh, moderation has not been enough. How would you respond to those things? Because we all know as Democrats that we've heard progressives say this before.
1: Yeah, but uh, to me, it's kind of moving the goalpost or it's kind of uh, just pushing blame towards the middle when really uh, it hasn't been all the middle's policies. I mean, we've seen like uh, policies back during the Clinton Clinton administration actually uh, did a lot to help workers and uh, did a lot to unite the country. And we had one of the best thriving economies we had since probably JFK, you know, during the Clinton year. So we were starting to move in the right direction then, but, uh, you know, we started getting knee jerk reactions from the right when uh, Clinton was in office. They were trying more and more to oppose a lot of these things that strengthened labor union, straight, strengthen just overall uh, you know working force in this country and they started moving back to uh giving privatization and uh you know private companies more and more power over the worker again as we got towards the bush years so mm-hmm. The abuse started racking up with the far left i mean they didn't really they didn't have as big of a base back then but uh i think that uh for the most part they have uh Failed their own uh, their own people when you look at uh, small governments and uh, far left cities that are under more far left jurisdiction. Let's just say Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis, even Chicago. If you look how they've treated the small businessmen in those uh,
2: cities, it's been pretty bad poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, they uh, haven't protected the
1: shop owners' rights over the last couple of years when it comes to when riots break out or certain things happen you know a lot of these guys have had to board up or just uh quit their business because uh they aren't enforcing the laws within their own jurisdiction to keep those businesses safe
0: right and i'm sure this is close to home for you because you live in the northwest
1: yeah yeah and i've seen uh it's ridiculous how many businesses were destroyed in seattle just this last summer from uprising and riots mm-hmm. and stuff and i think the left has failed to address the rising problems with crime they've uh haven't helped homelessness even though they always tout that they've um, they're there for the homeless and that they're there to uh you know give them more access to food and health care and all this stuff this is all just uh, to me empty talking points because right. uh there's more uh, disparity in Seattle than there ever has befo- ever been before, and there's more homelessness than there's ever been before there. So I feel like, you know, since Seattle's under kind of progressive leadership, they should have been able to do something by now, you know?
0: <laughs> well, they raised the minimum wage in Seattle to $15 a number of years ago. How's that been working out?
1: Um, it might have, I mean, to me, it's kind of like a band-aid. It might have helped some, you know. It does help... Uh, fast food workers and people in the service industry maybe be able to slightly afford their apartments a little better, but, um, you know, they just still, the prices have, uh, soared over there in Seattle and Portland far beyond I'm really a huge fan of, uh, continuing to raise and raise minimum wage every two years or something. I feel like there has to be bigger problems addressed, uh, I feel like there should be better standards for uh, different skilled labor jobs in general. Mm -hmm. A lot of that comes from unionizing. When you have uh, unions in charge of more skilled labor jobs, generally there's a certain standard that's upheld that uh, makes sure that those workers receive the pay that they deserve for the knowledge they know within that trade. And once they get to journeyman level, they make professional wages. But privatization in a lot of these uh, Cities has led to uh, poorer standards of wages, and um, then uh, uh, you know corporate domain in a lot of these cities has also continued to raise the prices on rent and a lot of other uh, just prices within industries as well. And corporate takeover has a
0: lot to do with that. Right. Well, we do have uh, a problem in this country because. Uh, What I see, and you brought it up, is that it's not only the question of whether it's far left, but it's also how long has the city or the state been under uh, one-party leadership? Because, for instance... Um, you know, Massachusetts is one of the most progressive states in the country. What I find interesting about Massachusetts is that they elect a lot of Republican governors. They have Republican governors more than New Jersey does. And New Jersey often reelects Republican governors. Um, you know, in my lifetime, Massachusetts has only had one Democratic governor, and that was Deval Patrick. And, And for a lot of people, Deval Patrick is considered too conservative. And he was the governor of Massachusetts. But, uh, you know, um... The the Republicans in Massachusetts are basically, are almost blue dog Democrats. They do a really good job up there uh, for the most part. And I think it's because of that moderation. I think moderation usually does get results. And I also think that when you have, uh, when you give one party uh, complete control of your community and you swear that you'll never vote for a member of the opposite party, that you're allowing them to take advantage of you. It allows for them to... uh drop up empty promises and not deliver
1: because they get comfortable and complacent. And I mm-hmm. think that has happened in Portland and Seattle. There's a reason why, you know, workers' wages haven't been going up there in the last 30 years, but yet uh, apartment prices have rise to over two grand.
0: Mm. Wow. And and you've lived and in Washington your whole life, area, right? But, but, I mean, I just watch the news and I see what's happening.
1: And, uh, it creates unrest and it creates a, uh, a lot of angry people so I understand the rioters in a way I just feel like they're directing their anger out in the wrong way
0: right you've lived in Washington your whole life right
1: uh no no I'm originally a, a golden state boy I'm from uh, oh right California right I was uh I lived like a half hour south of Sacramento originally and moved to the northwest in 2016
0: and California used to be a republican state if I'm not mistaken
1: yes years ago California was traditionally conservative, and a lot of that started changing by the 1960s, early 70s, and then it was still a swing state for a matter of years. As we got further, I think by the late 80s or early 90s around there, that's when uh, California started to solidify as a blue
0: state. Well, it's kind of like New Jersey. I uh, I think we have this in New Jersey. I think we have... But, I mean, in the presidential elections, we have the same voting patterns as California, uh, New Jersey from uh, 1960. I mean, California from 1968 to 1990 uh, 1988 voted for Republican presidents every time, if I'm not mistaken. And then Bill Clinton uh, won California and won New Jersey. But I would say that we have more, although I don't know, I've never been to California, but I would say that we have a lot more conservatives in New Jersey than a higher percentage of conservatives in New Jersey than California. But then again, I could be wrong.
1: It's, uh, New Jersey is definitely a kind of a purple state. Where I live in Washington, even though everybody from the Midwest or the Rust Belt says that Washington's a communist or, mm-hmm. you know, a socialist-loving state, it's really not true, uh, um, Seattle and the bigger areas like Tacoma are definitely, um, you know, further left-leaning. But if you look at the majority of Washington, anywhere out in the rural areas or small towns, they're uh, very conservative. Even here in Cedar Woolley, there's a majority of uh, Republicans in our city. And I always see them. This uh, election cycle, I saw them post a whole bunch of cult signs and a whole bunch of Trump signs in my neighborhood. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like... Traditionally, Washington also is a purple state. I think there's uh, good things in having purple states because uh, it allows both uh, sides' voices to be heard, and it uh, kind of makes
0: things well-rounded. Where, uh, oh, I can't hear you, John. You got to speak up. Oh. It just makes uh,
1: you know different voices be able to be heard. When purple states exist, it means that. You know, one side of the political spectrum won't be totally ignored while the other is, uh, you know, uh, giving all their needs and wants on one side. So I think it's good. It's well-rounded to have a, you know, in-between state that's purple.
0: When was the last time Washington State had a Republican governor? Do you know by any chance?
1: Uh, i looked this up, but it's been a little
0: while. I mm-hmm. think
1: uh, the last time was uh, either 84. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was like either early or mid-80s, sometime,
0: sometime around there. Wow. But you feel well, do you feel well represented in Washington as a blue dog? Um,
1: yes. In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Mm-hmm. I think our uh, higher-up leaders in Washington have kind of ignored moderates a little bit more. Even Jay Inslee, who is the governor, is uh, a little too far left leaning for my taste but there are some issues when it comes to climate change and workers rights that i would agree with them with mm-hmm. but when you look at the smaller municipalities when you look at like areas like in skagit county here mount vernon even bellingham i mean they are uh, some type, some people would consider them progressive but really because they have so much influence from the outer part of the counties being red i would say they're fairly moderate in a lot of their uh, policies.
0: So the mm-hmm. smaller
1: towns out here in Washington tend to be pretty moderate cities, in my
0: opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, did, would you say you saw more Trump signs or Biden signs by you?
1: Oh, where I live in Cedar Woolley, I live a little ways off of I-5, kind of going towards the mountains. People up here are generally Republican, but uh, you get over towards I-5 over there. seems like anything along the I-5 corridor is usually blue. You go to Mount Vernon Burlington, which is like five miles west of me, and there's a lot of Biden signs and a lot of, uh, you know, Biden Kamala, Kamala Harris signs.
0: So uh, hmm. yeah, you just move five miles further west and it's majority Democrat. Right. And um, how much conf- How would you rate the Biden administration so far? If you have to give them a letter grade. Uh, it's really early
1: on to judge. I think most of what he has put on the table has really impressed me. I would give him a 7.5 out of 10 right now. And that's only, the only reason I'm not giving him a 10 out of 10 is I feel like he's trying to do a lot to impress progressives. And that's not necessarily, necessarily all bad. we got to somewhat win over progressives. Right. I feel like he has to walk a thin line not to drift too far left at the same time.
0: I mean, have you ever, do you remember, I mean, before uh, Bernie Sanders came onto the scene, do you remember a president having to worry about which wing of the Democratic Party they had to impress? Um, oh, Sanders? Before Sanders, like, do you remember Barack Obama uh, kind of tiptoeing around, okay, I can't make progressives mad, I have to make moderates happy, or, or vice versa? Do you remember that? Because I, I don't. No, no, that's a fairly
1: new
0: issue. Yeah. And I think it's because the Democrat Party
1: has moved a little bit further left, so they have to try to do more, um, right. say more things that are lip service to calm down the left, I would say. But uh, overall, I think that uh, Biden isn't necessarily falling into the lap of the left. I mean, he's doing a few radical changes, slightly, Not wouldn't say radical, but you know, he is... Uh, giving citizenship to 11.5 million uh, people that don't have citizenship in this country that are are illegal, technically. Mm -hmm. And I have mixed feelings about that. I mean, I think people that have lived in here for, let's just say they've been here two generations and they've been contributing to the tax base for 20-plus years, you're kind of, uh, I feel like, uh, you might as well just let them have citizenship at this point. I mean, their kids don't even necessarily know what it's like to even live in another country right but then again i don't uh, think that we should necessarily cater to um uh, giving citizenship to just anybody that just shows up at the door okay. trying to come in at the same time so i think biden has to play a walk the fine line there but i think as long as he doesn't go too far the other way and just open the flood to immigration he'll be doing okay giving amnesty to some of the dreamers Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, there's been a few changes like Andrew Jackson coming off the $20 bill and putting Harriet Tubman there. I like Harriet Tubman and I don't know if she's, you know, qualified enough to be replacing Andrew Jackson, but you know, it's not really that important really. At the end of the day, she was a
0: you know, a civil rights activist and a good person. So, I mean, it shows I mean, how it shows how the Republican Party and the Democratic Party have kind of flipped because you have Republicans. Harriet Tubman was a Republican, and you have today's Republicans objecting to this move, even though Andrew Jackson's the leader of the Demo- was the founder of the Democratic Party, if I'm not mistaken. He was the first Democratic president. Um, so yeah. it's kind of in- it's kind of interesting. Um, the Democrats uh, and Republicans' wires are definitely crossed now. Dude. Oh yeah. As, uh, as our
1: good friend Richie Res- respect told me. Before,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I uh, mean,
1: I'll, I'll at your board,
0: Richie. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if you're listening to this, Richie, we'd love to have you on on the show at some point. Yeah, but re- regarding that, regarding that issue of the, of the of the far left and all that, um, you know, you do have uh, the illegal immigration issue is a very complicated issue. I mean, it's and it's definitely not black and white like anything else. Uh, but I I believe that. I don't know how I feel about citizenship either. I think a path to legality would be better. Uh, but at the same time, I, I can't get over the fact that you've had people who have been here for generations who, who, who haven't – who have managed to fly under the radar and uh, not become citizens or, or, or you know, or, uh, or f- try to get citizenship or something like that. I just – I can't believe you can be in this country illegally for so long. It's kind of like mind-boggling. Generations, yeah,
1: I mean there has to be a change there. I would – Agree with Biden on that. I just think it has to be within reasonable measures, mm-hmm. and uh, not just yeah be where we are just a, you know open floodgate country, yeah. but that we have regulations in place that protect our borders, but also protect the rights of people that have been contributing to our society for several generations. So mm-hmm. We've got to find a happy
0: and and that's, what, and that's what I don't get about Bernie Sanders, because I specifically remember uh, an interview with Bernie Sanders in like 2015, 2016, where he said open borders is a Koch brothers proposal, which I agree with. It is. It, it, it no, helps. No. The, it helps I was the rich.
1: A fan of Sanders back in 2016, when he was kind of an old school socialist, I actually was going to vote for him in 2016. So that shows you how much uh, my mind has changed just in the last four years. Yeah. But I actually liked Sanders' approach early on. I feel like he has actually um, been influenced heavily by the progressive party. And Bernie, even though he is he's pretty far left, let's just say he is a social dim. But he did have some kind of old-school traditional values that I kind of uh, attracted me a little bit in 2016. But I've realized that he's not... Uh, He doesn't represent
0: the same things he did in 2016. Yeah, because when you, I remember Bernie Sanders, when he said Open Borders is a Koch Brothers proposal, I was like, okay, I I wasn't the biggest fan of Sanders. I've never been a fan of Bernie Sanders, but I was like, okay, this guy's making some sense. And then in 2020, he said that he was going to put a stop to all deportations. I don't know if it was supposed to be temporarily or permanent, but I'm like, what the hell happened? He totally
1: flipped and he said that he wants to create amnesty for anybody willing to
0: reply. And I was like, wow, that's a big change in what he used to believe. That sounds like open borders to me. I feel
1: like the squad has kind of uh, hijacked uh, Bernie Sanders' point of view. Mm-hmm. And it's not that he, he still has the core beliefs of uh, we need to get the middle class to be paid better. We need to increase our environmental standards. We need to regulate corporations. I mean, he's still holding on to that. And I'm not in disagreement with some of that. But I've seen his stances this last election, when he's ran in 2020, or for 2020, and he has drifted a lot further towards uh, giving lip service to the social justice warriors and people that may be more on the socialist leaning side than people that are um, pro democratic, you know, pro, uh, you know, patriotic, or just, i that's not really the right word to use, just pro. Uh, Traditional liberal values. Mm-hmm. You know, there he's drifting away from that. Bernie in 2016 was still kind of upholding the traditional liberal values, but right. I feel like him and his party have drifted away from that. And even I've talked to a lot of uh, socialist-leaning Dems, and a lot of them have spoken up against things that are um, written in the Constitution and spoken against free speech because they want to. They're, they're just uh, basically trying to
0: regulate so much of what is politically correct that they're actually moving away from free speech oh That's my god a, it's terrible it's terrible and that worries me too and, and you know what's interesting is that i thought even though hillary clinton was the more moderate of the two between her and bernie a lot of the social justice warriors actually did support hillary clinton over bernie sanders in 2016 and maybe you noticed that too um yeah. but you had um you know, you had states where Bernie did very well in the Democratic primary in 2016. And then in 2020, between Bernie and Biden, Biden won literally every county in a lot of those states. And Bernie did horribly. And then you had California, which voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016 primary. And then it really went heavily into Bernie's favor. So it's almost as if he took on the social justice justice warrior candidate title. They got unloaded on
1: him and he's trying to bear the burden isn't easy to do
0: i mean bernie is a a nut job and and you know the progressives i mean the progressives have been playing identity politics for a long time but bernie gave into it uh a lot actually during 2020 election you're gonna have to speak up john i can't hear you oh i said he definitely uh he definitely
1: did sell out in the 2020 election and kind of disappointed me that's why i moved from being a Bernie bro in 2016. I mean, by 2017, 2018, I already kind of assumed the title Blue Dog. I remember my dad mentioning the term back in like the early 2000s. that was a long time ago when I was in high school.
2: Mm.
1: I said, "What do you believe politically, Dad?" And he said, "Well, I'm really a middle of the road guy, and I think there needs to be common sense where we're, we meet each other in the middle. We worked mostly for the." helping the working class, but that we meet each other in the middle. And he says, I kind of considered myself an old blue dog, my dad. Nice. I was like, wow, that's, I kind of was just like shocked by the term. Like, oh, that's different. That's a cool sounding term, I thought, but I was still kind of a traditional liberal back then. But yeah, by 2000, after uh, the whole Hillary-Trump debacle or an election, I feel like it was the worst election that was held in probably, (laughs) I don't
0: know. John, I can't hear you. I think your microphone's off or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would, I would say I would say that the Hillary Trump election is uh, was probably one of the worst elections we had in years. I don't yeah. Know, since, since Reagan ran against who did Reagan run against in uh, '84? Mondale. Yeah, yeah. Since since the Reagan Mondale
0: election. <laughs> well, it wasn't um, exactly a landslide like that election, but. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think feel
1: like that was just a, it was just an all-out uh, bad pick on both uh, political parties. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were just scared of Hil- Hillary. and It was because she was giving lip service to social justice warriors. And he kind of just seemed like a big establishment dim, which I could see a lot of people in the Midwest and uh, a lot of people that are just the working poor kind of had a knee-jerk reaction against that. Right.
0: I think Hillary had all the I mean Hillary at a core at her core, I believe is a moderate, but she didn't campaign as one. I feel like she took all the I mean Hillary is, is such a I mean, I, I, I'm not a Hillary Clinton fan, but she is a really good worker. Um but at the but and a lousy candidate. I, th- I feel like she took all the bad parts of being a, 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 an establishment candidate and took all the bad parts of being a progressive and combined the two and created this one lousy, horrible candidate that no one wanted to vote for. I mean, I realize she won 3 million more votes than Trump popular vote-wise, but not in the right areas. She wasn't strategic about it. No, she won over the big cities like you know, right. New York City and
1: stuff. And she t- she- or the Great Lake of some of those Great Lake states like Wisconsin. I don't know, did she visit Michigan?
0: Yeah, she visited she, she visited actually, Michigan the night I think the night before or or election day, but it didn't make enough of a difference because she lost and she hadn't visited Wisconsin since April of twenty sixteen. Uh you gotta speak up, I can't hear you.
1: I said the Clintons are an interesting topic of their own. I really liked Bill and he kind of resembles more of a blue dog. Yeah. Hillary probably isn't the worst, worst policy-wise, but she definitely sold herself poorly.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, Bill and Hillary are like—I mean, I will—I will say this: I—I I think that the Clintons are borderline criminals. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they uh, I think they do a really good job when they're in office, but I think that they both flirt with the line of legality and uh, then back away to the point where Republicans have a, a legitimate case for for wondering whether we can trust them in office and I think that the, that, that did work with with uh, the Republicans and Hillary with um, with the email scandal and, and Benghazi and all that Not saying that I bought into the Republican crap about that no, but they, they it was way overhyped
1: Benghazi. yeah but, I mean she was a, I guess you would say she was a corporate leaning.
0: That worked, did some of the ugly, dirty work with corporations behind mm-hmm. back,
1: Yes, I, yeah. I would say so. And just with the Blackwater thing, you know, overseas. Uh, with some of the real, you know, business things that were going over in uh, the Middle East and stuff that were hush hush, she was involved with that somewhat.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I think she's a phony, but I think that, uh, I think she did a good job as center of New York. I mean, but I don't know. Not a not a big Hillary Clinton fan, to tell you the truth. No, no me either. <laughs> I think she would have made a good president, but I'm just not a fan. Would have been better than Trump. Oh yeah. But, you know, yeah,
1: yeah. Democrats have um, could definitely do better, than they have. You know, they have elected Joe now, and uh Joe is
0: more of a middle of the road kind of populist mm-hmm. candidate. But, right. Uh, which is interesting because Hillary Clinton, I believe, and we were talking about Ohio before, Hillary Clinton won more counties in Ohio than Joe Biden did. Huh. Interesting. Well, yeah. It's weird. Ohio. <laughs> it's weird. I think, you, I, I think you have a case when you said that Ohio is becoming more conservative. Joe Biden is the first, uh, the first president to win the presidency without winning Ohio since uh, JFK, actually. And uh, my my last question re- regarding the Blue Dog uh, the Blue Dog thing, and then I'll, I'll let you have some uh, some time to uh, I guess uh, say whatever else you want to say. Uh, as far as health care, what would you like to see Joe Biden do? Uh,
1: I'm uh, I for a while wasn't really decided on health care. I mean, originally I liked the idea of Bernie Sanders Medicare for All when he first presented it. But I've done some research, and I've seen the way Canada has transformed their uh, medical, as they have leaned further and further socialist over the last twenty years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Canada really has um, had shortcomings, and I've heard a lot, a lot from Canadian citizens that have uh, complained about healthcare becoming completely socialized. That they don't get the care that they used to have, and. Uh, they run, run a lot of people through the system, but they don't do as good of a job actually uh, checking for the welfare of their patients. And they a lot of times uh, neglect their patients and uh, don't even uh, find the correct uh, diagnosis for them. Mm. It, they just rush them through like cattle. So I have changed my view from being for Medicare for All to uh, being on board with Joe Biden about uh, strengthening the ACA and single-payer uh, the single-payer system. I think the single-payer system is far from perfect. We need to be able to uh, put more money federally into it. We need to be able to regulate it a little bit heavier to where deductibles are still kind of high in the single-payer system, and insurance still isn't really that cheap. I mean, it's still better than not having health care. At least it's nationally available to anybody that wants to apply for it. I think that ACA needs to be strengthened and maybe slightly regulated on uh, prices a little more, but I think that Joe Biden is on the right track to uh, well, fixing some of the kinks. Some of that was Republican uh, senators getting their hands on the original ACA bill too, that made it not as affordable as people first thought it
0: would be. What um what is the difference? Because I don't know. I've heard I've heard numerous uh, takes on it. What's the difference between single payer and Medicare for all?
1: Medicare for All is expanding Medicare to the point where everybody will have it, which isn't, I mean, Medicare is a great program. I'm not going to knock it. It was one of the best things that Lyndon B. Johnson, I believe, was president at the time I uh, launched. Um, uh, might
0: have might have been, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, I think it was Lyndon B. Johnson in the early 60s launched it. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot bad to say about Lyndon B. Johnson, but it was the one good thing he did. Mm-hmm. But, the only problem is uh, it's meant to take care of uh, seniors and there's federal money pumped into it. Mm-hmm. And on a small scale, I think it works great. But I think if you broaden it to where it is our whole healthcare system, it will start to socialize uh, medicine and uh, healthcare to the point where it's going to be kind of like a mass produced thing, kind of like what Canada has, where they have um, it will make prescription drugs cheaper. And I do believe we need to address that and find ways to make prescriptions cheaper by legislation, but you're going to maybe get a reduction in quality when it comes to the amount of care people get in hospitals and stuff. If you do fully socialize it, I think Pete Buttigieg was right on onto the, onto the right idea when he said uh, Medicare for all those that want it. You mm-hmm. uh, know, maybe there should be an expanded, a, expanded Medicare program that can uh, allow more people to get it than just senior citizens but i think that it's important for people that uh, work within state government jobs or have like good uh good paying uh high-end jobs that have private insurance to be able to keep their insurance mm-hmm. and that's what pete kind of stood for he was pete Buttigieg basically said people that have their private insurance and want to keep it should be able to do that right people want want to be able to pay into the aca and uh you know, get, uh, Ob- Obamacare should be able to do it. So I kind of am in the middle of the road where I think that uh, we could improve ACA some, but I think that uh, we need to keep the program that's already there instead of scrapping it and trying to socialize medicine.
0: Well, I do support a public option. Um, I think that that's a, a good thing. And the public option could be Medicare, Medicare for all who want it, like Mayor Peace said. The problem that I have with single-payer is that, I mean, you probably would know this more than I would because I would assume – you live closer to Canada than I do. Um, Yeah, how far are you from Canada?
1: Um, I first moved to Bellingham when I was here, when I first moved up here, and it's only like 30 minutes from Canada. Now I moved uh, to to County, so I'm about 45 minutes, 50 minutes, about 50 minutes from Mm.
0: Canada. Yeah, well I'm a good 11, 12 hours away from Canada. Um, The the thing is that you do have, um, Canada has less people than the state of California, and if Canada can't necessarily handle a Medicare for All, their version of Medicare for All, I'm not sure how a country as big as ours is supposed to uh, handle something like that. And that's why I object to the progressives who want to dismantle the entire insurance industry from within 48 years. It's never going to happen like that. It just won't. Uh, and you can't expect that to happen without some disastrous and catastrophic uh, consequences. Yeah, no, I agree. I
1: think there's going to be a lot of... Uh... Problems in the legality when it comes to the hospital system. Mm -hmm. I think that um, it will just make it more of a burden for hospital administrators to be able to carry out, you know, good care within Mm -hmm. the hospital because they're going to be oversighted by, you know, the government a lot more and it won't be able to work on their own uh, providence as much, you know. Mm -hmm. So... I think there is some good things about having some privatization within our health care, but right. it just needs to be price ceilings on um, insurance and on you know,
0: prescriptions, and uh, that's something we definitely need to address. But mm-hmm. I think oh, Biden is on the right track on that. Right, definitely. Um, and uh, we have about a minute left. Uh, what else would you like to say about uh, Blue Dog politics? What would be your, your message to our listeners who so aren't sure whether to get on the Blue Dog bandwagon? Well, I think Biden,
1: probably talk enough about, like, all the things Biden's uh, suggesting, but I think Biden's trying to get middle-class jobs and manufacturing back to this country. He mentioned recently that he's uh, going to uh, announce that he would create a position within the White House uh, called Made in in America director, Mm -hmm. and this person would be involved in giving uh, tax breaks to companies that uh, actually bring manufacturing back to the U.S., and uh, <clears throat> he would also create an uh, inter, uh, Internet bulletin posting all the companies that aren't complying with bringing, you know, manufacturing back to the U.S. or, uh, you know, creating production in the U.S. So it would kind of be like a little halt chain for those uh, companies that still want to operate over in China to try to um, dodge, you know, the, paying their workers adequate wages. So Biden's... Uh, creating a made in America initiative that should be uh, passed in legislation soon. And I think we might see uh, a nice increase in middle class jobs. And uh, he's also increasing uh, the amount of uh, federal projects going on uh, nationally with the clean energy sector, updating the grid, creating more uh, solar panel projects and uh, installing more uh, electric uh, charging car, I mean electric uh, car charging stations uh, nationally all these things are all uh, things that are going to create middle-class jobs that will actually help uh, stimulate the economy just kind of how uh, fdr did during the 30s when uh, a lot of americans were out of work well, now we have a coronavirus it might not be the same severity of uh, unemployment but it is an epidemic of uh, middle-class job loss happening right now as we speak so i think all these federal projects and ideas that uh, biden has brought to the table will bring a lot of middle-class jobs back to this country and uh well went over a lot of uh
0: americans that aren't sure which way they want to lean politically mm-hmm. and that's my take and uh you think biden uh you think uh you think those are things that uh, appeal to blue dogs
1: i think that's things that uh, is the fighting essence of blue dogs is yeah. the middle middle class <clears throat> bringing back manufacturing to the u.s and uh being able to uh be, be, be a competitive nation uh, when it comes to industries and what,
0: within the whole market. I think mean, that's one thing that uh, Blue Dogs care a lot about. All right. Well, thank you so much for the time, John. I really appreciate it. It's great talking to you. Come back anytime and uh, and I thank everyone for listening to uh, the season premiere of the Blue Dog Whisperer and uh, I will see you on the next episode. Looking forward to it. Evan. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.